0: Amber and Amanda here. We'd like to introduce you to the newest podcast, Article 15, produced by Veterans Drinking Vodka Production and hosted by our good friend, Ryan Brazel. Article 15 is attempting to bring both
1: awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. Ryan speaks with everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimated back into civilian life.
0: New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out, and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode.
1: Amber, what are you drinking tonight?
0: Oh, you know, my trusty old Keystone lot.
1: That's your old standby, for sure.
0: So I get to the liquor store. (laughs) Behave myself a little bit.
1: Yeah, no doubt. That's the way to go. I'm not drinking vodka tonight either.
0: I'm amazed. What are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking a natural light seltzer called Catalina Lime Mixer. Are those good? They're delicious.
0: I saw saw Coors Light has seltzers out there. They're
1: one of my favorite seltzers that I found so far, and they're actually 6% over the 5% normal. Ooh. And they're natural, and they're natural light, so they're cheap. Yeah, so
0: we're,
1: we're going cheap this episode.
0: Hey, that's all right. It, said, so can't it yet.
1: <laughs> it says when cherry and lime become best friends on the can.' That's cute, and that makes me happy.
0: <sighs> that's cute. It's like you and I,
1: I know. Like, <laughs> you're the cherry to my lime.
0: There you go. I'll be your cherry. welcome to this episode of veterans drinking vodka
1: we believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell it we have found that being a service member is easy but being a veteran can be hard in this episode we are talking to william martinez
0: he served in the united states marine corps from 2002 to 2004 in the infantry how are you doing today willie and what are you drinking?
2: Thank you for having me this evening. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast. My first one ever, by the way. Hey. I don't think I've ever been interviewed. So
1: Wow. We popped your podcast cherry.
2: Podcast That's crazy. Cherry.
1: I'm drinking cherry seltzer and we're popping your cherry.
2: But bam, no fizz included.
1: <laughs>
2: anyway, I'm drinking Pirate's Rum. I get it delivered by the barrel, rolled out here about every other week. I live in small town, Southern Illinois.
0: Wow, by the barrel?
2: By the barrel.
0: Ooh, we're That's just going we to call you Captain Jack. We're just going to come visit.
2: Right?
1: <laughs> what, what's the song? What's the pirate rum song? Do you know what I'm talking know. about? Is that a trick rum?
2: question? Yo, ho, ho with a barrel of rum.
1: A pirate's like pirate that? life for me. P5O
2: <laughs> <B-fi>, Fum. <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah, but All Seriously, right.
2: thank you for having me on.
0: We appreciate you being here.
2: We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa
0: 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.Rafa180.com or email at RafaCBD at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your journey started?
2: Sure. I grew up in the Chicagoland area in the suburbs, suburb of Bensonville. It's right next to O'Hare Airport. Grew up there since I was about one year old, went to middle school, grade school. Everything was all good there. And then my journey for the military started probably uh, when I was 16. I had I joined a boxing club, the Bill Park Boxing Club, and my coach there was a Vietnam veteran. I didn't realize it at the time, but I, you know, looked up to the guy. He was a mentor and he was this mean, badass veteran. You know, I, I admired the guy and he just kinda rubbed off on me. And sure enough, when I became of age, I tried going to to college, paying for it on my own, ran out of funds and I wanted a challenge. I wanted to to travel. So joining the Marines seemed like the natural thing to do.
1: So when you went to the recruiter's office, did you automatically already know that you wanted to be in the Marine Corps or was it a joining of convenience?
2: No, I definitely knew I wanted to be be a Marine and I joined after 9-11. So I knew I wanted to be in the infantry. And as I mentioned, I had been boxing before that. So I really wanted the high intensity, the challenge.
1: You were looking for that adrenaline rush.
2: I was, I was, I was looking to travel. I was young, man. I, was tired of being at home. I was ready to go.
1: Yeah, I totally get that. I left two weeks after I graduated high school.
2: Damn, that's quick.
1: Yeah. I was like, I'm out. Amber, how long did it take you to join?
0: I knew I was going in by the time I graduated in June. I mean, I knew I was going in, and I left in November. So a couple months. But I mean, I, had, I was already signed up. I mean... Yeah were signed it was just a matter of when I wanted to go and so my brilliant idea was to go right before fucking Christmas Christmas and my birthday in boot camp I mean that sounds like a great plan I guess it would have been no I left I'm sorry I left in December I didn't leave in November I quit working in November took a month off of working to party and then went to boot camp so
1: well cheers to taking a month off to party did
2: that's what i was thinking too like you know that girl was just partying the whole time while she was in meps
0: (laughs) so funny story though is i'm so glad i joined the military and left new york (laughs) december uh 15th is when i left and there was a bad snowstorm so i never spent the night at meps with everybody else who was getting ready to go I went up, did my mother take me up there? No, she didn't. My recruiter came and got me that morning to take me up there. And so all these people who already made connections with each other that were getting ready to ship out to wherever they were going, all knew each other. And I get up there like, let me go do all my physical, physicals and stuff and shit. And then I got an airplane later that day. First time so you, you missed the whole
1: Pre shipping shit show that is the overnight stay at Met. Yes, I did. Did you stay the night before you left, Will?
2: Yeah, I did. I'm trying to remember it. It was so long ago. I think it was just an average night. I remember getting picked up by the recruiter, and he was smart enough to bring his newborn baby to pick me up so that my mom wouldn't, you know, argue with him or make him feel bad for recruiting her youngest child. And he took me to the station. I remember being in the hotel and I, I remember people had alcohol. I don't think I drank that night, but there was quite a few people partying that night because they knew they were, you know, we were shipping off soon. So yeah, there were some people partying.
1: Well, cheers then- to your recruiter being no holds barred there.
2: Yeah. Right. He was smart. He knew what he was doing.
1: Oh, bless his heart. So you were only in for two years. Did you only have one duty station or did you go to different places?
2: I only had one duty station. I was stationed in Camp Pendleton, California. I was up in San Mateo,
1: Ooh, the, the northern part of Camp real. Pendleton. What's that? West Coast. West Coast. West, West Coast,
2: Hollywood. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we just got done talking about the Hollywood Marines. Yeah. Last yeah. recording. Yeah. yeah. West Coast. West Coast. <laughs> you
2: know, I never heard the term Hollywood Marine until after I got out. I got out and these old Vietnam guys were like, oh, you a Hollywood Marine. I was like, what does that mean? Like <laughs> Hollywood Marine, Camp Pendleton, and then you had the East Coast. Because I never experienced East Coast Marines, you know? I was like, okay. So yeah, well, Hollywood clearly, Marine was a term I learned after.
0: Yeah. According to, according to popular opinion, you're not missing anything by not being on the East Coast. That is the popular opinion. We, we ask everyone that comes on that have been on both coasts their preference and the answer has been every time yeah. but once yeah we've only had one and that's because that he had to was go, stationed in virginia and, he
2: and been, his um, home
1: was there so he got to get, you know g- continue having his mama take care of him while he was in the service
0: yeah
2: <laughs> well, i guess that makes sense but who wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want to be by the beach you know like that's either way happens. it's gonna suck but you might as well have a beach nearby yeah cheers to the beach Here's to the beach. Cheers to the beaches. <laughs>
1: do you have a favorite active duty story that you can tell us?
2: I do. I have one. I, you, you say know, that like I'm you
0: literally only have one story to tell. <laughs> There's
2: one that I thought of just now. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind. It was the time, well, there was many times that we went over to Tijuana, right? So I was young when I joined. I was 19, and we partied a lot. There's nothing else to do, really. I didn't drink before I got into the Marines. When I got in, it was like, no holds barred, you know, no parents. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Every weekend, we'd, well, pretty much every weekend, usually the 1st and 15th. We all know those are paydays, right? Yeah. Yes. Around That's those weekends.
1: I'm time Tijuana transport.
2: Prime Tijuana Transport. So from Camp Pendleton, me and my loser buddies would take the bus to gosh, Oceanside, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And from Oceanside, we would take the train down to San Diego. From San Diego, we would take the trolley down to
1: the border, probably. The trolley the goes name. right to the border.
2: Yeah, yeah. I yeah, San Isidro. The- I Did you go
1: to San Isidro?
2: Yep. There you go. Oh, you're aware. You've been there too, huh?
1: yeah that's where we were stationed a couple years i've done that a time or two
2: so you've been to t1 all right fair enough yeah so you know the story so we went down one weekend and just like any other weekend we're there and we were i don't remember the name of the club and we were just hanging out me and a few marines big crew we met up with some other marines and Right before the bar closed, it was like 4 a.m. close to it. They start kicking us out. And as they start kicking us out, there's this big brawl that starts going on. And, of course, they start rushing us out. And we're rushing out, getting out. And I remember just walking outside into the street, and there's this big brawl going on. It's like 15 cab drivers. They all have their cabs pulled over, and they're fighting with these dudes. They're fighting with these Navy guys, of Of course. Of course. I'm just walking by, and I see these people, like, they're just, like, throwing bottles. They're fighting on top of cat taxi cabs. I see one dude under a taxi cab getting the shit kicked out of him by some Mexicans. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We
1: are not politically correct.
2: So At there's just this, this big brawl going on. I just remember going to one of my friends. I was like, come on, man, let's go get a hot dog. I'll buy. You know, so there's this hot dog stand going by. And, like, right uh, it's like, you want 50 a hot feet dog. down there hot dogs you know nothing like hot dogs and street brawls and i just i remember having a hot dog and i'm just chewing on my hot dog looking one way they're fighting and then i look to the left and then one of my friends walks up he's bleeding from his face and his shirts all tore up i was like "Fuck, are you doing he's like what do you think is going on i was like why are you getting in the fight dude like it's not even us so we start leaving cops start showing up with their paddy wagons and we hear their alarms going off so we start running down the street And we're like turning different corners and they keep cornering us. It's either the cops or the taxi cab drivers. You know, we get lumped into the American crowd. And so we're having to fight off the Mexicans that are attacking us. And then finally we get corralled in by these Mexican police. And then they they end up, you know, getting us, I can't even think of the word, riled up. They caught us. They threw us in this paddy wagon, like 20 of us, in this little paddy wagon. And they had us in there for a couple hours. And a couple people are, like, drunk, just, like, throwing up on other people. One dude passes out because he was claustrophobic. It was Navy guys. The Navy guys are doing this, mind you. Those Navy guys.
1: Listen
0: to him.
2: Making sure. First they it get beat was up.
1: not the Marines. It was not, not. the Marines. Oh, we can handle our that. shit. Navy guys <laughs>
2: getting beat up. Navy guys throwing up. Passing right, right, it. right. I swear it wasn't us.
1: <laughs> Those dang Navy guys. Can't take them anywhere.
2: We get, we get arrested. We're in campo. the paddy wagon. Next thing we know, we get taken down to... Mexican station and we're in there not even five minutes of being in me and my friend said we go to the urinals It's it's me on the left and then my friend on the right And then this little Mexican dude goes to pee in the middle and like I barely started peeing And then my friend said just looks to the dude and says what are you looking at? And then he just grabs the dude's head and starts smashing it in the toilet. I'm like dude I'm just trying to pee. So then there's another brawl going on in the in the jail cell We get broken up. I just
1: wanted a hot dog and to take a pee. (laughs)
2: What happened? I'm innocent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? So they
2: split us up. We get into this other cell and then we're bargaining with the police chief there or whatever he is there. And I'm the only dude that knows how to speak Spanish. So I'm trying to bargain with them. And then out of nowhere, this Navy guy finally admits to having some money to bail a couple people out so he pitches over some money and me and this other guy get bailed out so that i can go to the atm i'm the only guy who speaks spanish so me and this other navy guy we get bailed out i walk like i don't know 5 miles like at 4am to go to the atm pull out some cash walk back to the station get the homies out of jail and from there I think we ended up walking back to Tijuana or taking a cab back to Tijuana. I don't remember how it happened, but a few of us ended up in my friend's car. Who, Another friend's, wait, how do we get a car if we took? Hmm, the story is huh. blending in. Hmm, yeah. Somehow we ended up in my friend's car <laughs> trying to get back. And so we had just gotten bailed out of jail, right? And we're in my friend's car. His car's from Texas. So we get pulled over trying to get back to the border. I tell the officer what happened that we just got out of jail. He's like, mm hmm, mm hmm. I understand you, sir. So then he tells me, I'll let you guys go, but it's going to cost you. I was like, seriously, dude, we just got out of jail. So that cost us another 200 bucks, took us straight to the ATM. <laughs> he knew we were in trouble, he knew we were military. So, I don't remember what the original bail cost was for all of us. But so it was the bail cost plus getting pulled over. And it was just a relief to get back. Luckily, none of us got caught. None of us got reported. You know, no one got in trouble. But That's, that's
0: one expensive hot dog.
2: That was one expensive hot dog. I don't of the think they're letting.
0: I don't think they're letting the military go to TJ. They haven't let them go in quite a few years, actually. Yeah, because
1: it got super dangerous there for a minute.
2: Yeah. They were... I bet. With all the cartels going on and all the Navy people ruining it. They were
1: cutting it. heads off of blonde girls.
2: Well, I think I'd pass.
1: Yeah, I, it. I
2: don't know about you, Amber. Yeah, for I stayed out of
1: Tijuana when they started talking about that. All right. So, after you had that extraordinary Tijuana experience... Hot dog. For, you know, your hot dog life. Eventually, everyone has to transition from being in the military to being a veteran. How was your transition?
2: It was different. It wasn't ideal. I really enjoyed being in the infantry. I had served during the invasion in Iraq in 2003. So within my first year of being in the military, I had already, I went to boot camp went to School of Infantry, got to my unit. Within three or four months, I deployed, made my first deployment, turned 20, came home, started experiencing symptoms of TBI, nausea, vertigo, throwing up. And this was like early 2003, kind of May, June 2003. So they didn't quite understand it at the time. They didn't have like medical holding platoons or anything of that nature. So they ended up uh, giving me a medical discharge, but under honorable conditions. I was medically retired. I came home. It messed with my ego a little bit. It took a while to get over it. And of course, there was a lot of medication, a lot of pills that were administered by the VA that I didn't really appreciate or take all the time. The transition was long. There was a lot of ups and downs. And I always knew the biggest problem for me was instability and emotions. Like I could have goals and yes, I was successful with school. You know, I got my associates, my bachelors, my masters, you know, like socially I was accomplishing goals, checking all the boxes, you know, but there was still a disconnect with the warrior spirit and the ego. But with time you learn to Track the different changes. You get support. I got married in the last couple of years, so my wife has really helped with that and keeping me on check. Really, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations on your marriage. Thank you. Thank you. That's what
0: women do. We keep men on track.
2: Yeah, I needed that. You know, I was uh, alone for a while.
1: Yeah, kind of had to like work through some of your own feelings, and that's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, it so, is. And- so you actually suffered a traumatic brain injury when you were over in were you in
2: Iraq? Yeah, Iraq, 2003. Iraq? I led, yeah, I was served with 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. We led the invasion from Baghdad and got all the way up to Baghdad.
1: And so then that's the from the results of your traumatic brain injury, that's the reason why you ended up having to get out so early?
2: Yes, ma'am. Okay. TBI, PTSD, they didn't uh understand it at the time like I said there wasn't like a medical holding platoon they didn't discharge people of their duties or put them in other jobs at the time it was just kind of like right it was still brand new yeah they had no idea what was going on they couldn't understand it I mean for a while there they were they had no idea what was going on like I would go to shit what was it called sick call and they thought I had worms for a while because I Kept throwing up. That was, you know, the vertigo going on. And they ran tests for that. And they were like, oh, you don't have worms. And they thought I had an ulcer. And they were just running different tests, wondering what was going on. And then they were like, well, maybe you just have PTSD. I was like, well, it doesn't explain, like, throwing up and all that.
1: Right, all the other symptoms. Actually,
2: I think we all have some PTSD. And I did get aggressive there for a while, even for being in the infantry.
1: How are you doing now? I guess it's several years later. Fifteen? Yeah, is it 15? I got it in two thousand
2: so four. So. Sixteen years later. Who's
1: good at math? Because I'm not. Sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been well established that me and math we don't get along.
2: I thought at you all. did Texas.
1: I do, but that's not math.
2: Okay, it's numbers.
1: It's numbers. Logic. Yeah, logic. logic it's numbers. more logic, but it's it's not algebra.
2: Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sure you can math better than me, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have I have some great softwares that help me with that. But so 16, right? 16 years since you've been out. How are you doing now?
2: Good. I truth be told, I uh, recently got my yoga certificate. And I think that's helped a lot. Practicing yoga. Oh, that's Not so cool. much the physical aspect of it. So I've, I've done boxing, as I mentioned earlier, since I was 16. And I still do I run a boxing club now. And I did even on and off throughout these 15 years, It's always been a hobby or I've competed, but more so it's just been a hobby, something to kind of keep me busy, keep me focused. Like the yoga gave me a foundation for it all, like on the off days where I'm not training, it gave me somewhere to focus. So there's the, the physical aspect of it, right? Which is gonna give you core strength, flexibility, power, stability, increase, power and flexibility in your joints overall. But then there's the mental aspect of it and like the meditation portion of it. And that's helped provide that stability, that instability that I was having problems with earlier that I was always, you know, seeking counseling for or escape from other means. And with the mental part of the yoga, I got the meditation and that helped me find myself to be able to have the conversations with myself rather than over here as an escape.
1: With so the, to speak. the booze or going down another yeah, path.
2: Because there was that, you know, that loneliness and that escape. And to offer a metaphor, imagine, so yoga is like being that anchor in the ocean for you Navy people. So <laughs> as
0: Navy people. You,
2: you meditate <laughs> He's killing me with this shit.
1: I know. Shit. Just, that that Halloween Marine the terms that has definitely with. a vendetta against the Navy.
2: Nothing but love.
1: Cheers. Cheers to being brothers and sisters in arms. Amen. Absolutely. So the yoga helped you find the balance that you were missing.
2: The stability, the balance. Yes. That's awesome. It forces me. Well, I don't want to say forces me, right? Because I choose to. But I, yes, I gave myself the time before. Like in the military, you always thought you have pain, push through it. You have a goal, push through it. With this new practice, it's more like you still accomplish your goals, but you're not just pushing through. You have to find the imbalances and have conversations with yourself so that you can address those imbalances and make the adjustments. Um, As I was saying with that metaphor, so you're an anchor, right? At the bottom of the ocean, stuck in the sand, and that is your meditative state. And of course, there's going to be currents, there's going to be storms. But when you meditate and you set yourself down, you let the currents pass you by. Even if there's sharks around you eating the other fish, and no matter which way the current blows or what storms there there are, you weather them as an anchor. You lay there. You know what you're made of. You know where you are in relation to what it is that's going around you, and you just stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Be stable. You know what you're made of. Absolutely. And that's what's helped me. You know, it's not the answer for everyone, but.
1: Right. Right. For me, it's helped a lot. I think that it's helped quite a few people to find that, whatever their passion is or whatever their, and to just not be scared to go down that route of, of finding what can help you the best.
2: Yep.
1: And that's really cool. I heard that you are actually a published author. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about your book?
2: Yeah, I've got one that I just released this week. It's, like a, it's really like a dissertation with pictures.
1: We like pictures. <laughs>
2: To put it bluntly, yeah, I made some pictures (laughs) and I've made some words for it. It's a study of fear. And it grew out of a chapter that I wrote for my thesis, which was a study on fear appeals that Bush used to declare war, right? We're veterans. That's kind of what we gravitate to coming out. And out of that grew a study of fear appeals through different horror writer, writers, and I study Aristotle, uh, discourse theory. I talk about Manuel Burke, A.R. Brown. I talk about Lovecraft. Foucault, philosophy, linguistics, and italian these different studies and kind of tease out their methods of how they dress fear in their novels and their fiction or how they precipitate moral panics. So it's, it's nonfiction. It's like reading a collection of essays. And I released this book through my publishing company that I recently started. And that was for me to get my grounding out and to have that stability there. And from then, I was able to reach out. I'm working with a couple other authors to get there. I'm working on a short anthology from two other writers, horror writers. That's my niche that I'm focusing on. And then I have this other writer who's working on a short story anthology. So the okay. goal is to have a small publishing company. But so I did you start actually this, so I
1: started a publishing company. So you're not just a published author. You have an actual publishing company. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's cool. That's really awesome.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm working. I'm learning. I'm learning. And luckily, I'm, I'm reaching out to other authors. And well, actually, they're reaching out. And we're just kind of keeping the communication going and building a team to continue the growth.
1: That's awesome. So if our listeners wanted to find your book, are you available on Amazon?
2: No, not yet on Amazon. I got a beef with Amazon. they I had two different accounts. When I first started this publishing company, I had my personal account, and then I had the publishing company account. And apparently, Amazon doesn't like two accounts listed with the same name. Oh. And they were emailing me for a while about it, and I just kind of shrugged it off. But <laughs> eventually, they ended up discontinuing both of my publishing accounts, so I can't publish through them. So I went through Smashed Words, through Kobo, through Apple Books, through Google Books, so we're on everything but Amazon.
1: Everything but Amazon. And on,
2: and on my webpage.
1: Perfect. And for anyone listening that would like to get a hold of a copy of Will's book, we will put the link into our show notes.
2: Yes. Or you can visit me at www.mindonfirebooks.com.
1: For sure. And we'll, we're will we going to check that out too. So yeah, if, I'm
0: kind of excited about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so if you had advice, I know your your military career was a little bit shorter but you still went through a lot of those traumatic experiences and you were still very much part of what the military was doing, do you have any advice for those that are getting out of the service or those that have been struggling to find their way as a veteran?
2: Reach out. You know, that's one of the things that I did when not necessarily when I got home, luckily I had family when I originally got out of the service, but I know a lot of veterans don't always have that network or that net netting to come home to. And sometimes, you know, we're used to traveling. So then when I moved away from my family to go to school, I didn't have that network, but I ended up finding a different network through other veterans because, you know, that's what we're used to. That's our culture. That's where our camaraderie lays. So I would say don't, be afraid to reach out to other veterans. Join the local VFW, the American Legion, the Marine Corps League, Team RWB. If you're a younger veteran, they're really good at doing physical fitness activities. Continue to give.
0: You know? What was that that you just Which said?
2: Team RWB. Team RWB, red, white, and blue. The initials. You've not heard of them? No. Oh, I thought they were one of the bigger ones, they're they're growing. They wear you probably maybe have seen them on social media. A lot of them wear red shirts with like an eagle on the shirt. It's very family oriented. They do a lot of five K's, a lot of runs, hiking, ruck ruck marches, I guess is a thing for veterans these days.
1: Yeah, and it's becoming a lot more popular. Like the <clears throat> the awareness ruck marches are coming more popular.
0: Who would voluntarily want to do a ruck
2: march? That's what I thought, like, dude.
1: <laughs> a lot of people do, though. I know there's a program called Irrelevant Warriors, and, like, that's all they do. Like, they just travel around from city to city and get military members or veterans together, and they just do these random ruck marches through cities to raise awareness. And they have, like, flags, and they probably drink too much, and all that kind they of do. shenanigans.
2: But For sure, dude. They're Navy, too. I mean, how do
0: you do? Of course they're Navy. <laughs> of course. How do you do a ruck march sober? How do you, you do? Don't. Ruck march sober? Don't you have to go Especially like? Especially
1: not,
2: not as a veteran. Right before? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: I think that's a given. I think you drink before you ruck march, and then while you're rucking, you have it's a flare. It's when you
0: become sober and start your hangover.
1: And then you be- gotta hair the dog and then continue.
2: Motrin and water.
1: Yeah. Motrin and water. Cheers yep. to that!
0: I think we've cheers to that before, but we can cheers to that. We're gonna again. cheers
1: to it every time. Break your leg. Am I to Motrin and water. Have a headache? Motrin and water. Okay. So, Will, if our viewers wanted to reach you, if they had questions about anything that you were doing or if they just wanted to reach out and ask you any specific questions, where can they find you?
0: Or maybe they're authors and they need someone to help them To help them publish.
2: Yeah. If anybody feels like they want to reach out, whether they be a veteran, a family of a veteran or somebody who works in marketing or a fellow author writer you can reach me at my website www.mindonfirebooks.com I have links to all my social media sites you can hit me up on twitter mind on fires you can hit me up on instagram mind on fire books you can hit me up on facebook mind on fire books ultimately that's if you do a google search for it or any social media search that is the title that I use for most of my Social media accounts, Mind on Fire, books. Hit me up. I do tweet back. I do Instagram back. I do communicate. Follow for a follow.
1: I'm just going to start tweeting you just to get you to
2: tweet back to me. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll tag other people. We'll, we'll grow our <laughs> communities together.
1: I That's love how you that.
2: grow. Honestly, as sad as it sounds, like when I first started, like 13, 20 followers, you just start tweeting at the same people. And every Friday, there's follow Friday, and then you just slowly grow with it. It's, it's automated at first, and then you get it. But as a girl, you know, I'm not trying to play this gender card, but I've, I've tried copying and pasting what a girl posts and then, like, use it myself. A girl and a girl photo will get ten times more attention than I do.
0: Cool. Good to know. Imagine what a photo with two girls in it would do.
1: We have that going
2: for us. Rules: drinking vodka. Golden.
0: Golden. We're golden, Amanda.
1: We are. I like that. I like your insight on what we're doing. All right, Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about the charity that we've chosen to support this episode?
0: Sure. So we are currently... Supporting Till Project. We strongly believe in what they're doing in regards to bringing about mental health awareness and 22 veterans killing themselves every day. We now have merch.
1: Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, if you are interested in supporting our podcast, you can purchase some of our merch. We will put the link for our store. Into our show notes. Also, a portion of all of our merch sales will be going to the Tilva Hollow Project. If you would like to contact Amber or myself directly, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com.
0: Please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email at the veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Or you can direct message us on any of the social media platforms.
1: If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We love constructive criticism.
0: We do. (laughs) Help us help you. Um, You can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. Uh, We start that up at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time.
1: We're hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends.
0: Put a bunch of veterans together virtually and you never know what happens.
1: We do have to put that disclaimer out there. It is unscripted and it is not politically correct. So it is open to anyone, active duty, veteran, civilian, but you are joining at your own risk.
0: (laughs) Completely at your own risk. (laughs) Completely. But as always, and one of the things and one of the reasons why Amanda and I started this podcast was to bring about the mental health awareness and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And whether that statistic goes up or down, the fact that 22 a day is 22 too many.
1: One is too many.
0: And you are never alone.
1: Veterans Drinking
0: Podcast. Cheers.